All right, well, let's get into the Word, because i got a three-hour message, and i got to... <laughs> hey, I'm gone for two weeks, man. i gotta, I got to get it in. <laughs> Some of you just started sweating on the spot. Okay, <laughs> just, just play it. All right, but let's get into this this morning. You know, we've been talking about getting our hearts ready. You know, again, I'm going to just remind us and say again what the Lord said to us. This is, again, last fall. He said these words, and I really want them to stand out to you, because whenever God speaks we got to attend to those words. Amen? So he said that we are to expect. Say expect. Then we are to prepare our hearts. Then we are to create an environment for encounters with him. And one of the things the Lord even spoke to us a while ago is that, hey, we are supposed to be a glory center. And I know that sounds real churchy, and it's not supposed to be like we're just walking around with a bunch of halos on our head. What that simply is is that we are giving God access to reveal his goodness to do what he wants to do, to reach people, to change people, to bless people, to change them in any kind of way that he see fits according to his word. We're so open to that. Anybody else open? So that's been the desire and the cry of our heart is just like, Lord, here we are. Do it in us first so that we can be the change that you want to see. We can be the people that you need in this city. Be the church that you need in this city. We've said so many times, Lord, we are your yes church. So whatever that looks like, whatever that means, we just say yes. Before we even know what that means. Anybody else want to be a yes man, yes woman? That's, that's who we are. Now, where are we getting ready? Again, it's not just an external thing. I mean, thank God we all showered this morning, right? <clears throat> okay. Some of us aren't asking the question. For whatever reason... But the majority of us showered this morning, and we are so thankful for that today. Thank you for that. Th- thank you. Thank you. Just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why we just didn't really even enjoy online, because we couldn't tell if people are just, you know, in bed, doing their own thing. No, we, we shower and we come to church. We get ready for what we're doing. But it's more than just doing things on the outside. The way that the Lord gets us ready is from the inside out. God works from the inside, and believers, we got to get this, because a lot of times we spend so much, I'm talking Christians now, we spend so much of our time looking at the external, looking to change things out here, looking for fixes, kind of what Tyler was even saying, but God operates from the inside out. We've got to become God inside conscious. He lives in me. He's in this, on the inside of me, because again, where is my real life? My real life is actually my inner life. What you see on the outside is maybe the result of what's going on on the inside of me, but the real me is in me. Your real life is, again, not your job, not what you have, not what's in the account. It's what's going on on the inside. It's the inner conversation that you're having regularly with yourself, with the Lord. It's who is going on on the inside that counts. Now, everything, everything that God does, as we said, is inside out. He speaks. He directs. He leads, he fixes, he organizes, he corrects. Where? From the inside, right? It happens from the inside. Now, what we said again to the Lord is we're opening up our hearts real big to God. We're not saying, Lord, there's only a 15% capacity for you. We're not saying, Lord, we're only going to give you 90% capacity. We need to give the Lord 100% so that he can give his vision, his picture, his word, whatever he wants to get on the inside of you, because if he can get it in your heart... He can get it into your hand. And this is a very spiritual principle that a lot of times we're looking things to be changed on the outside, but God wants to change the picture on the inside because when you see it, then you can see it. And it's so crucial that we as the church start seeing not only who he is, but not only what he's promised, but what he's wanting to do. Before we can actually do what God's called us to do in this city, we got to get the picture on the inside. So we're saying, Lord, enlarge my heart. Expand my capacity on the inside because I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you're saying to me so that I can actually bring across the vision that you have for this city for this nation. It's bigger than just my, I mean, thank God, my little life, and we can get all of that, but if you just really get interested in what God's interested in, which is people. He loves people. Didn't say, for God so loved the earth. For God so loved the world. And again, the world is so focused on the earth right now, when in fact we need to be focusing on the world, which is made up of people. God loves people. And so again, what are we doing? Lord, expand my heart, open my heart. That's why this is to be a glory center so that people can encounter Impact Life Church. No, Him. Everything good that you enjoy in this church, it's Him. 
anything you don't like, it's us. <laughs> We're very aware of that. And as long as we continue to press in, Lord, that's why, Jesus, we need you in these services because it's not just a, a little show that we put on. We need you to be the encounter that people's lives are changed and forever changed for his goodness and his glory. Amen? Now, my heart is my responsibility. Proverbs 4.23, let's look at this verse here again. But again, my heart is my responsibility. If my inner life, if it's so important, if God works on the inside, I have to know this, that it's not God's job. It's not my wife's job. It's not your job to protect my heart. It's my job to protect my heart. And how many know that is a full-time job? Anybody encounter that? Even just this past week. Man, you, how many hours do you put in protecting your heart? 24-7, constantly protecting it. So again, this is what the proverb said, more than anything else, more than any counsel that you could get. I mean, this is Solomon talking to his son, and he gave him wisdom for how to do finances, wisdom in relationships, wisdom for anything in life. And he says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? For out of it, out of your heart, flow the affections or the course of your life. Where does my life come? Not by my smarts, not by my education or lack thereof. Life doesn't come from the people that I know. Life comes from what's going on on the inside of me. So again, stuff happens, absolutely, but those things on the outside don't determine my life. What determines my life is what's going on on the inside. It's crucial. A lot of times we see in the world today, it's so easy to blame people, circumstances, events, stupid people. Anybody ever have a stupid person be a problem in their life? Oh, man, hands are going up like you're not, but whoo, that's... Can I just remind you, they're not your problem. Rods. It's easy just to put the blame on somebody else, but in fact, what's going on on the inside again is determining the course of my life. Really, what I found is stupid people are actually an opportunity for me to pass a class. Anybody enjoying passing? I thank God when I saw 51% in my math diploma. Thank God. My mom was even happy. Mom, I passed. What'd you get? 51. Woo! We had a party. So it's the same way. I want to pass the test. Why? I just had to get out of high school. I know I look really smart, and I am. It's the Lord that makes me smart. What's going on? <laughs> okay, let's continue on. Now, my heart, again, looking at this Proverbs 4.23, the Amplified Bible says it like this, watch over your heart with all diligence. The God's Word translation says, guard your heart more than anything else, more than anything natural, more than protecting your, you know, all the accounts or the passwords that you have on all the different programs you got on your computer. He says more than all of that, he's saying protect and guard your heart because, again, what flows out of it? Life. My life flows from it. My responses in life flow from it. All right. Now, one of the things, again, we've spoken on is that I give, I give access to my heart whom I want to. I give access. I'm the one, I'm the doorman to my heart. What am I going to allow in through my ear gate, through my eye gate? What's going on? Who do I give access to? And I want you to look at this, Psalm 139. Because this is something that we've been doing. I know I've been doing for a very long time. Have my regular checkups. Again, 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us, give yourselves regular checkups to make sure that your faith is solid. That is true. That actually what you believe, that you call yourself a believer, prove it. Not just say, I'm a Christian. That means nothing in the day and age that we live in. you got to prove it. And that's what 2 Corinthians 13 is all about. He's saying, check up on the inside to make sure that what you're believing and what you're standing on, you're actually living it out and you're seeing it come to pass in your life. Because again, we've said it many times before, but a lot of times, believers are a thousand scriptures overweight. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Tell me this, tell me this. They could quote it all off, but that means nothing if you're not living it out. The Bible says to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So again, I have to make sure now, again, I give access to whom on the inside. And Psalm 139 is, I believe, it's a prayer that David prayed. And this is something I do for myself on a regular basis. And again, I choose who gets access to my heart. And this is his prayer. He says, God, I invite your searching gaze, where? Into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out 
everything that it may be hidden within me, put me to the test. And now when God puts you to the test, it's not with sickness or disease. It's not with calamities or issues or problems. When God puts you to the test, it's according to his word. He puts you to the test according to his word. Will you carry it out? Will you fulfill what I've asked you to do and called you to do? There is a test. And listen, I want to pass it. And so that's why we become doers of this word. He says, put me to the test and sift through all my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, see God on the inside of me. See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on. And then what? Lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. He's saying this. He's saying, Lord, is there anything in my life that is affecting our relationship? Is there anything in, our, in my walk, in how I'm living, is it causing a disturbance in our relationship? If there is, Lord, reveal it to me. I want it out. Why? Because the most important thing in my life is my heart connection with you. This is his prayer. So again, I allow in who I want in. God, here am I. And we know this in Hebrews 13 or Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 13, 14 is that nothing is hidden from him. Everything is exposed to him. So we might as well just expose and uncover this whole thing and say, Lord, is there anything that needs changing in me? And don't be afraid to ask him that. He's a great physician. And listen, he's so kind. Remember, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So when you say, God, sift through me, is there anything in me that is hurting our relationship? It's not going to come down with a hammer and whoop and all of a sudden you're just hurting and crying and you can't get out of bed for a month. It's not that. It goes, oh, it, it hurts so good. I need to make a change. Like what Jay was just saying, I need to make a change in my thoughts. Ah, oh, shoot, I got to make a change. Like it, Sometimes it's difficult, but be willing to. And what happens? He's able to get access to you. Now, Again, God is so interested in my heart. I want to just read these verses again because it's crucial that we see it because the church, we spend so much time looking at external things. It's not what God's looking at. He cares about the heart. And again, look at this in 1 Samuel. He says, this is again Samuel going to anoint the new king of Israel. So this isn't no light little job. This is the king of Israel. This is God's anointed one, God's you know, um, voice to the nation. This is God's representation to the nation. And all of a sudden, Samuel lined up all these brothers. He looked at Eliab, and his first thought is, surely this is God's anointed one. This has got to be him. He looks the part. He smells the part. He's got it all together. Eliab is the new king of Israel. And God had to go, whoa, 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 hold up a sec. He says, look at this. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. Now, why did, he didn't refuse him because he didn't have a big enough, you know, his six-pack wasn't big enough, he didn't have, you know, strong enough arms. It was anything to do with that. The Lord said this, for the Lord does not see as you see. Man looks to the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So what disqualified Eliab from being the king of Israel? His heart. What disqualifies you and I from stepping in and having access and doing more for the kingdom of God? Is it our past? Is it our mistake? Is it our sin? No. What is it? It's my heart. God is looking to the heart. And that's, again, what Tyler was just saying on this. It's not about all these external things. We'll take care of that. God will sort that out if you give him access. He needs access to the heart. Because when he gets access to the heart, the fruit changes. Quit cutting the fruit off. The fruit means nothing. The fruit is changeable. But if you go to the source of what's going on on the inside of us, the heart, we can change the fruit. That's not a problem. But God needs access to that. And for Eliab, he was refused, not because of what he couldn't do, not because of what he could do. He was refused because of the condition of his heart. Why was David chosen? Because of the condition and the sensitivity he had towards the Lord. The youngest of seven brothers. Hey. He's mending the few sheep out in the pasture. Not even a bunch of them, a few. And he picked him. Why? Because of the heart. Look at this next part in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So now, what sets off God's radar Ever going to walk through like security or something? Then they all of a sudden, oh, so you're going to have to stand over here. We found something. And it's like a piece of plastic. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. And you pull it out. It's like, oh, a wrapper from a gum. Like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah, it could be dangerous. But what sets off God's radar? 
What sets it off? It's a heart that is fully committed. So it's not the one that during worship, although that's fine. But if the heart's not in it, is it pleasing to him? Nope. What's he looking for? What, again, sets off his radar is a fully committed heart. This is a, this is a big deal. God is looking for people that fully want to please him. That's what turns them on. That's what all of a sudden he scans over the whole earth. And all of a sudden he gets to beautiful Canada. Stops in gorgeous Alberta. And he goes, oh, something's going on in Red Deer. My radar's picking up something. Oh, oh, and not Lower Fairview, Riverside Meadows. There's something going on in Riverside Meadows. (gasps) There's a hungry people there. They want me. They desire me. And what happens? He looks to strengthen or to show himself off because a heart is fully committed. God's not just pulling strings up there. He's looking. And I believe he's stopping here for us. Here we are, Lord. We are the hungriest church for you in Canada. Why not? All right. Now, and the reason why this is so important, because I want to just show you this. The Bible talks about two different kings in the Old Testament. Because a lot of times, again, as believers or just people in general, they look so much to the external and they think, oh, they must be doing really well or they must be a good person because of the actions that they do. But again, we got to remind ourselves that God looks to the heart. Now look at this. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And I'm not going to give you the whole story, but it just talks about uh, these, the, obviously, the nation of Israel. There was, there was problems. The nation was rising up against nation. And they're coming to attack Israel And Israel at this time has made a decision, had made a covenant to search the Lord with all their hearts. And if you refuse to search the Lord, you'd be put to death. Anybody want to go in covenant this morning? (laughs) Searching the Lord with all their heart. And if you don't, we're going to kill you. (laughs) Two. All right. That's okay. (laughs) But this is how serious it was for them. And in verse 15, I want you to see this. King Asa, in verse 15, it says, All of Judah... They were happy about this covenant. What covenant? The one that if you don't seek the Lord with everything you've got, you're dead. This is a good place to be. They were excited about this because they had entered into it with what? All of their heart. And it says they earnestly sought after God. Not earnestly sought after the next job, the next paycheck, the next cool thing. They sought Him. And after doing so, they found Him. Listen, it's so simple, but if we got it, it changed the way we live. They sought him with all their heart, and what happened? They found him. Then it says, and the Lord gave them rest from their enemies on every side. Verse 16, it says, King Asa, even, now look at this, it says, he even overthrew his mother. I know it says grandmother, but it's actually his mom. He overthrew his mom. Uh, Maka from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene Asherah pole. Now that was the god of fertility. That's what, that's what they believed in. He overthrew it, got rid of it. He cut down her obscene pole, broke it up, and burned it into the Kindron Valley. Verse 17. Although, look at this, the pagan shrines were not all removed from Israel, Asa's heart, what? Remained completely faithful to the Lord throughout his life. Now, can it be that even though you don't do everything perfectly, but if your heart is geared towards the Lord, the Lord looks to the heart. He should have knocked out every pagan shrine that was in that place, but he didn't do it. For whatever reason, we don't know. He didn't do it, but look at what it says, is that his heart remained totally committed to the Lord all the days of his life. Now, aren't you thankful that even though maybe we've done some things ignorantly, we've done some stupid things, our heart is set towards the Lord going, Lord, I want to please you all the days of my life, that he still looks at that heart and goes, I find no fault in you. So again, it's so crucial that you and I, we cannot judge people by what they do because the Lord is the only one that knows the heart. You and I, what do we do? We can look at the fruit of things, but we don't judge the heart. We can't do that. Because we don't know. Because again, I want you to see this. King Asa, did he do everything right? No. But what was his heart towards the Lord? He was faithful towards him. Now look a couple of verses later, a couple chapters later. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. King Amaziah, verse 1 and 2. It says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Jehadoin from Jerusalem. Verse 2. Amaziah did, look at this. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. 
You guys go to verse 2 there for a sec. But it says in verse 2, in verse 2, it says this. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not what? Not wholeheartedly. And you read the remainder of his life. Yeah, he, he did some things for the Lord, but he didn't do it with all of his heart. Isn't, if I just do what God asked me, is that not good enough? Apparently not. So you and I, we are not supposed to judge. We have to look to the heart. You can look at somebody, oh, they're doing the best things, they're doing the right things, but you have no idea what the motive is behind that. If the motive is not to give the Lord glory, if the Lord is not to build the kingdom of God, if it's look to build your own little kingdom or to do your own little thing, it all looks good on the outside. But listen, according to Scripture, even Matthew chapter 6, what did the Pharisees do? They would pray in front of the crowds. They would fast in front of the crowds. And it says, Jesus said, that's the result or that's what they get for doing it is that they get noticed. But not, there's no reward past that. Why? Because the motive is off. So again, you and I, we've got to you understand God looks to the heart. Oh, they did all the right things. Good job, man. Do you see that the way that they just dance and worship the Lord? Yeah, that could be. But they could have a totally different heart. It means nothing. Moving along then. Now, if this is so crucial that God looks to the heart, again, we talked about this last week, what is God looking for in our hearts? If this is what he's staring at this morning, more than how cute we all look this morning and how smell, you know, how good of a smell we give off, what is the Lord looking at? If he's looking at the heart, again, the question we've been asking him is, Lord, what are you looking for on the inside? What do you desire my heart to be like? And what we decided last week or what we saw from the word is a willing heart. What is a willing heart? A willing heart is a heart that is open towards the Lord. An unwilling heart is closed off. Willingness. Everybody say it with me. Willingness. Willingness. Again, willingness. Willingness will bring you far in places. Because if you keep saying no, eventually you'll stop getting asked. <laughs> that's just, that's sad. So what are we saying to, this, to the Lord this morning? Lord, we are a very willing church. Willing to do whatever you want us to do. We are willing to do your word. We're willing to worship. We're willing to bring our tithe. We're willing to serve. We're, Lord, whatever you want us to do, we want to do it. <laughs> Tell y'all, this is, this, will, this is a game changer right here. Now, let's look at this again. Psalm 110. I'm not moving on this fast because I, I really want this to be established in us. This is more than just a, oh, a cute message. We got to get it in us so it becomes a lifestyle. Now, it says your people. Say your people. That's us. It says, you will offer themselves willingly in the day of your power. Your people, God, your church, your church, your men and women, they will offer themselves willingly in the day of your power. Now, a question that I want to ask, can you see right here that there is a connection between the willingness of God's people and his power? Oh, God, we just want to see your power move. And a lot of times this has been a demonic teaching that rose up somewhere is that a lot of times we're waiting on God. When God's willing to move, when God's willing to show up, he just will. Leaving all of the power, leaving the miraculous, leaving the, the powerful things that God wants to do and is able to do, all in his hands just going, well, if God's willing to do this, he'll, he'll just do it. Listen, God is willing. He said in his word, he's watching over his word to perform it. Constantly, you see Jesus. He is the example of the Father on this earth. He's the perfect image on this earth. When you see Jesus in action, you see the will of God in action. And you constantly find out. Remember the one leper that came up to Jesus and said, Lord, I know that you can, but if you're able or if you're willing, you will heal me. What did Jesus said? I will. What did that show? His willingness. He walked up to the guy in John chapter 5 at the pool of Bethesda, and he asked him this question. 38 years he'd been laying there, paralyzed, just laying there day after day after day. Now imagine the type of thought pattern that this guy lives with now. Lived this way for 38 years. What happens? You become a victim of your own disease. He said, and the question Jesus asked, will you be made whole? Will you? Do you want to? Well, his, what was his answer? Well, Lord, I have nobody to pick me up and throw me in the pool when the angels come in. That wasn't the, that wasn't the question. Will you? I don't have anybody. It's like when the dentist asks, do you floss? 
you know, I got kids. That wasn't my question. Well, I know the question was, do you floss? Well, I, I go to bed really late sometimes. I, don't, I, I just don't have time. That wasn't the question. The question was, do you floss? Well, the same way with this. Will you be made whole? They don't work. That's not the question. Do we see that? That's not the question. He says, will you? Yes, sir, I will. Oh, I want it. I really do want it. And pick up your bed and walk. It's the same way in the church today. Will you be the glory center? It's not like, ooh, if God is, you know, hopefully he chooses us. No, no, no. He's already chosen you. Our answer is, yep, absolutely we will. Lord, we're in. What do you want us to do? It's a totally different mindset than just waiting on God. No, 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 no. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's always turned on. He's God. (laughs) He doesn't wake up and go, not really in the mood today. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, they're singing to me, they're praising me, but you know what? It says in my word, you know, I inhabit the praise of my people, but I'm just not really feeling it today. He's always on his word. Man, that is really good to know. Now, next, look at this, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> Again, we're talking about what's, what is God looking for in my heart. Again, I control my heart. I choose what gets in. I choose the condition of my heart. He's looking for willingness. Isaiah 1, 19 says, if you are willing... And obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It didn't just say if you're obedient. Because we know this again. Remember, anybody got kids and they ask you, or you ask them, hey, can you go bring out the trash? Fine. (laughs) What would you do? Oh, thank thank you so much. I really appreciate you just being part of the family. No. What would you do? Hold on a sec. That attitude reeks. Get your butt back in here. You get happy about taking out that trash. Why? Because that trash is full of the granola bars and stuff that I bought and I gave and put in your stomach. You are welcome. Yeah. Oh, and so what I'm expecting is, boys, I want, hey, I want you to take out the trash. Oh, Papa, of course. I'm so excited to take out. Thank you for all that food that I digested and I threw into the trash. Absolutely love to do that. What's that look like? Ah, there's a willingness. There's a willingness in that. Oh, fine, I'll just, I'll pay my tithe. Fine, I'll just, I'll just get, fine, here it is. Is that acceptable? No. What's he looking for? Willing and obedience. What's the willingness part? It has to do with my heart. What's the obedient? Of course, it's the thing taken out. Of course, we, we want to continue to obey, but we also have to have the right heart behind it. But notice what he says. If you are willing and obedient, what are you going to do? You're going to eat. Say with me, Eat. The what? The scraps of the land. You're going to just barely get along. You're going to eat the what? The good. Come on, say it with me. The good. What is God's will for you? That you eat the good of the land. Not the scraps. Not the second or third place. Not the last place. The best. But what's the condition for it? If you're willing and obedient, you'll get this. So if I'm not eating the best of the land, I need to check first and foremost, am I willing Is my willingness to do that? Do I want to want to? (laughs) Am I obedient? And if I'm obedient to it, those go hand in hand together. And it's crucial that we see it because, again, it's not just about doing what the Lord asked me to do. It's about am I willing to do what he says? (laughs) Because is it enough just to obey him? Nope. He's looking for willingness. Now, I want you to turn here. Let's look here for a sec. I'm going to just take a couple minutes to relay this before we jump into the next part. But 2 Corinthians, I want you to look at this one more time. Because what is the Lord looking for? He's wanting me to want to. He wants me to want to. He doesn't just want me to go to church. He wants me to want to. He doesn't want me just to pay a tithe. He wants me to want to. And we're going to find out here how personally he takes this. The willingness side. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to just read a couple of these verses. Verse 1, he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, about what God in his kindness has done to the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has flowed, or say over with me, overflowed into what? Oh, verse 2, you can't see it. Enriched generosity. Can you be poor and generous? 
Yes. Again, if you have three cans of bean, you give away two. You are a generous person. He says, now look at this, verse 3. I can testify that they gave, this, this, these churches, they gave, verse 3, not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it well, of their own free will. Nobody twisted their arm. Nobody forced them. It was a willingness on the inside of them that caused them to act. Now look at this, verse 12. I really want you to see this. Verse 12, it says this, Whatever you give, we all want to also add, it's not just about the giving, that's a big part of it, but it has to do with every area of your life. Whatever you give, whatever you do, if is acceptable, if you give it how? The New Living says eagerly, but it's other translations say willingly. So if I give, or if I do, or if I serve, and it's not out of a willingness of heart, is it acceptable to the Lord? Y'all, do we got, we got to see this. Hey, would you like to serve? Would you like to get involved and served in this kind of department? Fine. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of other things going on. And you're down there serving or doing whatever you do. Is it acceptable to the Lord? Well, I'm doing it what he asked me to do. Is that what he's looking for? No, he wants you to want to. Ah. The condition of my heart, whether willing or unwilling, determines if what I do is acceptable or unacceptable. Oof. So what am I doing? I'm making sure my heart is willing. I can change it. Just like that. I don't know how many times my parents had to say, hey, change that attitude. It stinks. I do that with my boys a lot. I just like walk in. Something stinks. Uh, we just showered. That's not the problem. Something stinks. And they're like, well, what is it? Your attitude. Get happy about going to the shower. Get happy about going to bed. At least you got a bed. Like it just, it changes everything when there's a willingness side to it. Well, how much more our Heavenly Father, who died and willingly went to the cross for us, and we said, hey, I want you to get involved, or I want you to, fine, I'll just do it. And we think that we're doing God a service. No, we get to do all this. <laughs> we get to worship Him. Have you ever thought about that? We actually get to worship and sing to our Heavenly Father. And all of a sudden what happens? Not only does I mean, He enjoys it, but then He comes back and blesses us. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Now, look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's kind of flow a little bit forward here. So again, just a quick question. If I want what I do or give to be acceptable, then how must I do it? Willingly. Okay. Now look at this. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift for you is promised and ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one that's done grudgingly. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who sows generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide where? In where? Giving doesn't begin with my check. Giving has nothing to do with what's in the account. Giving has nothing to do, well, if I got a job or not. It has everything to do with the condition of my heart. Is it willing? And again, I mentioned this last week, but I believe this. I'm going to bring this up again. Is that any time that I find that there is lack, especially just in the financial area, do I need to look on the inside? Do I want to advance? Do I want to bless the kingdom of God and pushing it forward in this earth? Do I want to help people? Do I want to be a blessing? Do I want to advance the church forward? If I do... My willingness, checking it up on the inside, then I know that I'm, my heart's in the right place. If I'm always like, ah, duh, 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 check on it. Check on it because you don't have to do nothing here. You don't got to do a thing. We get to. I get to bring my 10% of the job, the calling, the finances God brings to me. I get to give it back to him and say, Lord, this is just to prove that you are in charge. I give you full access to everything that I've got. It is huge. It's a big deal to him because an unwillingness, just keep it. Y'all, listen, keep it. If you're like, oh, I don't really, keep it. Keep it. Why? Because is it acceptable? No. 
Well, doesn't the church just want your money? No. No. It's, we have to get this. Well, if they, if they don't tithe, listen, God's got more sources. He's the source, not you or I. We will never, as he said last week, we will never put pressure on people to give. Why? Because it becomes you are now our source and not him. But it goes the same way. You don't put pressure on the church. The church doesn't put pressure on you. And in fact, what happens? We put the pressure on the word. All right. Now, the next message. That's part one. Part two. Now, the question that I asked the Lord just this past week, okay, Lord, so how do I deepen my willingness? How do I deepen my willingness? Or I like to say it like this, how do I deepen my yes? And I like to call this the second yes. Because the first yes is easy. When I'm saying yes, I'm meaning to the Lord. It's easy. But there's a second yes that the enemy fights over. There's a second yes that the enemy will do everything he can to distract to bring problems, to bring harass, in any kind of way, to throw you off your second yes. But before, again, how do we deepen my willingness? How do I deepen my yes? The Lord shared this with me. He said, "Remind, just remember again that whatever I ask you to do, first you're going to find it in me. So whatever he tells us to do, first and foremost, he's done it first. Right? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We give God, we give to God, I mean, our lives. Why? He freely gave his son for me. It's everything that we see or everything that God's called us to do. It, the Bible tells us, Ephesians 5.1, he says, imitate God like dear children. That means watch what he does and then do it. So if I can encourage you this morning, I want to just take a, take a little journey and looking at the gospel for a sec, because the gospel is a yes gospel. The answer is yes. Everybody say it with me, Yes. God's favorite word is yes. So look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 19 and 20, it says this. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen? Okay, He is the Son of God. And He is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And He has never been both. Listen. God has never been both a yes and a no. Now concerning, if you read this in context, he's talking again about the gospel. He's talking about what Jesus did on the cross, right? The God of comfort, and you'll find all that in there. And he says he's not both a yes and both and a no. He has always been, say it with me, he has always been and always be, what? For us, a resounding what? Come on, one more time. A resounding? Okay, one more time. A resounding? Yes, that's what he is. Not a yes and a no, but a resounding yes. yes. God's answer is yes. Now look at verse 20. For all of God's promises, all of them, they find their yes, where? Of fulfillment, where? In him. Jesus on the cross is a yes to you and I. And his yes and our amen, which means so be it, right? Remember I heard it said, I'm part of the so be it union? <laughs> I know, it's really good. But that's the union we're part of. We're part of the so be it union. Whatever God's word says, what do we say? Amen, or so be it. That's why in Jesus' name, amen. What are you saying? So be it. So God gives his yes, but look at this. He needs our so be it to bring him glory. Okay, this is all about the first yes, so I know you're going to get hyped up in this. God has already said yes through Jesus, the fulfillment of what he did on the cross. That's God's, oh yeah. And then what does he need for it to now come into manifestation in our lives? He needs our amen or so be it. Why? To bring him glory. That's what brings him glory. Not you walking around sick, broke, barely getting by, and just life is so hard, kicking my butt. God doesn't get any glory out of that. What gives him glory is his yes of his son and the amen of his kids. I believe it. That's right. Amen. So be it. He goes, yeah, thank you. You know, part of the whole Christian life is, this is so good, is just agree with God. Just stick with him. Believe what he said and go, that's it. I believe it regardless of what it says. If he says if I'm willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land, so be it. Not, well, it doesn't work in my life. That just proves you're ignorant. 
No, I don't know why it's not working. Check it up. The word, don't water down the word to match your experience. What do we do? We bring up our experience to match the word. There's some areas in my life that I'm not eating the good of the land. So what do I do? I have to check the willingness of my heart. And I got to check, did he tell me what he asked me to do with a good heart? Because if so, it's his job to make sure that I eat the good of the land. Not my job. His job. Now, God's goodness to you, as I said, is expressed in his favorite word, yes. Come on, say it with me. It just sounds so good. Yes. Oh, you know what? I've even told our kids, like, we tell her, we love to say yes to you. Of course, there's sometimes we're going to have to say no because it's just not going to work at this time. But God's favorite word is yes. <laughs> now, look at this. I want, like, just to think about it. The yes to creation. The yes to his son's blood. The yes of the cross and the resurrection. The yes of complete and absolute forgiveness and the yes of absolute right standing with him. It's all yes. That's what the cross is. Absolute yes. The yes to you, to your calling, to your destiny, to the giftings and the graces on our life. Yes. I mean, if you would just stop and think about this gospel and all that's entailed, all of creation. Yes to this planet. Yes to the solar system. Yes to the sun shining on us every single day, day in, day out. Yes. Yes to rain in the spring. Yes to heat in the summer. For us, yes to snow in the winter and spring and fall (laughs) and maybe summer. Yes. (laughs) That's Adam's fault. I blame Adam on that one. But it's always yes. Like, can you think about it? This is where we have to go and do not forget all the benefits he's done for me. Yes to the healing of your body. Yes to your finances being blessed. Yes. Yes to a sound mind. Yes. That's his heart. That's his will. That's his desire. You can see it in all creation. How beautiful this place is. And it's because God gives the resounding yes. He gives a yes. Now, one of the things that you know, the Lord said to this to me a while ago is you should have a yes fest. Just go through the scripture. I'm going to just give you a couple here again. Yes, this is what God is saying. I'm committed to you for eternity. Think about it. He gave you the Holy Spirit as an engagement ring. Yes to that. Yes to my spirit living in you. What is that? It's an engagement ring. He proposed to us on the cross. Yes. I've chosen you as the object of my love and acceptance, Ephesians 1.4. Yes, by the stripes of my son Jesus, you are healed, 1 Peter 2.24. Yes, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you, Romans 8.11. Yes, I became poor for your sake so that in return you can be rich, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Yes, I promise to never leave you, will never abandon you, never forsake you, Hebrews 13.5. This is just, I mean, go through the scriptures. It's a yes fest everywhere. God, God, is it your will that I be? Yes. God, do you want my family? Yes. God, is it your will that I pass this? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And what I found a lot of times, I've asked him questions, but he hasn't answered me quite yet. Doesn't mean it's a no. It's I'm not ready for it yet. I'm not quite ready to hear what he's got to say. So I'll just, what do I do? I just continue to push in. I just continually to walk out what he's called me to do. Now, don't just think his answer is yes. Some things are, for right now, some things are you're not quite ready to hear it yet. So hold on. So don't just be like, well, I haven't seen it yet. That doesn't mean that God's not interested in revealing it to you. It means that you're not ready for it yet. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 13? He said to his disciples, I have so many things that I want to tell you, but you're not ready to hear it yet. So a lot of times, even when you come into services like this, a lot, you know what, you really think of it, <clears throat> what's being ministered, what's being said, is not so much the speaker as it is the hearer. Yeah. Am I ready for it? Am I open to hear it? Because there's a lot of things that God wants to tell us, but are not quite ready to hear that yet. And so that's why he sent the Holy Spirit, and that's why he gave us his word. Because if you read the letters of Paul, that's the teachings of Jesus that were unuttered, and he gave them to Paul to preach. Paul's letters are the continuation of Jesus' ministry. If Jesus were still on the earth, he'd say the same thing. In me, you can do all things. But what did Paul say? Through Christ, we can do all things. It's the same thing. It's the same message. Now, so again, like we said, 
God's yes, what does he need? He needs our so be it to give him glory. So remember this in, I don't have this on the screen, but remember in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you openly declare or you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What is that? We call that, that's the road to salvation, right? If you what? Believe in your heart and what? Say with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord you will be saved. Well, how can that be so? Because the Father has already said, Jesus is Lord, that's my yes. When you say your amen or so be it to it, what happened? It became a manifestation in your life. You are now a child of the Most High God. Woo, and we celebrate getting, yeah. That's the Christian life, is just simply believing what he said. Now we're talking again about deepening our willingness. When you understand and you go to how willing our father was to do what he did, to send his son into this earth, his only begotten son, not knowing that, hey, we could all just reject him and say, well, forget, we don't want any of this. We have the free will to do so. He still gave. So our response is, I believe it. I want it in my life. And what happened? That's our first yes. You became a child of God. Now, the next part of this, I want to just remind you and I that we cannot forget the Gethsemane prayer. There's times in your and my life, this is, I want to talk about the second yes here for a moment. Because again, the first yes is powerful. The first yes is needed to get into the kingdom of God. But a lot of times believers stale stay at the first yes. They're stuck at the first yes. They haven't made a commitment to go anything further. A laying down of their lives, saying, Lord, my life is completely yours to do what you want to do. Have your complete access. Do what you want to do in my life through your word, through your spirit. I'll do it, God. That requires a little bit more. And so that's why you and I, again, we're going to look at what Jesus did. But we've got to see the example in front of us to deepen the yes. To deepen the willingness to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Now, now let's talk about this. This yes, it's a yes that threatens the kingdom of darkness. And it's a yes that advances the kingdom of God. This is an all-in yes. This is a yes that goes beyond my feelings it goes beyond my emotions. This is a yes that is unmoved no matter how the devil throws things in my life. It's a yes that positions me to be a vessel for Jesus. It's a yes to simply saying, Lord, I will be a doer, a doer of your word. Not playing Christian anymore. I'm doing this thing. Like I was reading this morning early, 1 John chapter 2 and 3, and just looking at those verses again, talking about like the world does not yet know who we are. Why? Because they haven't seen him yet. But... The Lord has not even showed us what we will become, but we do know this. We will be just like him because we will see him as he really is. I know I'm going to look just like him. Woo! So what anybody that has this heart, that has this desire, he, they'll keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Now don't just think pure like just sexually wise. Pure just means purity of heart. And that partly is an unwillingness is an unpure heart. When you look at Jesus... He's willing to commune with you. When you look at Jesus, he's willing to actually have a conversation with you. He's actually willing to talk to you. Like that's something that hit me. Like you actually want to talk to me? He's willing to talk to me? It gives you one of those a little bit. Man, you, you want to. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane, again, there are so many different prayers that you see in the word, but we can't lose sight of there's a Gethsemane prayer. There will be times in our lives that you have to be and, lit and pray out this Gethsemane prayer. Let's look at it for a sec. Remember this story? Jesus would, went to the Olive, the Olive Garden. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Breadsticks and Zupa soup, I tell you. That's, that's what I'd be looking for. Jesus went to the, what is it? Garden of Olives? Gethsemane. Yeah, I'm like, Olive Garden. I'm stuck on Olive Garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he tells his disciples, he says, hey, come and pray with me. He says, the flesh is weak. I mean, there's an inability to produce on the flesh, but he says, the spirit is willing. So you got to choose what you're going to yield to. 
And for the disciples, we see they, they yielded to sleep. They were tired. Well, it's the same thing for you and I. And they're even talking about, but unless you get tempted and the temptation takes you over. So I find this, you know when the enemy comes is when you are at your tiredest, weakest moment. He doesn't come when you're strong and, you know, glory to God, I can do all things. He comes when you have just maybe worked 75 hours in this week and just drained and exhausted from the week. That's when he comes after you is he's dirty. He fights dirty. But guess what? We win all the time. If we learn how to operate this way. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. It says, he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and he prayed, my father, if there is any way for you or any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Anybody ever prayed that before? Oh, Lord, if there's any way. That this person can be removed from my sight. Do it. <laughs> Please, just do it. And what happens? Yet, what I want, listen, if we can say this genuinely, what I want is not important. <laughs> now, a lot of times this contradicts, well, we've just hooping and hollering about what God did for us at the cross. Absolutely. But now we're talking about the second yes, deepening my yes. And I want you to see Jesus wasn't only just to be committed to the Father a little bit. Yeah, I'll feed the 5,000. Yeah, no, no problem, Father. I, I can do all that. I can walk across water, no big deal. Oh, but th this cross thing, this cup of suffering that I have to dabble into, that I got to drink? I... No, no, no. You see how his heart, he's deepening his his heart for the Father, his willingness, his yes, went so deep that Philippians chapter 2, even before the foundation of the earth, he was already crucified. But he laid down his deity. He laid down, he took off his Godhead, so to speak, laid it down and became a human being. Talk about willingness. That's like all of a sudden, I remember my dad using this illustration with us, is like, you just draw a stickman world, Here's your world, and there are all these stickmen. And these stickmen, they do something stupid, and they left you, and now are stuck and headed to a very bad place called hell. What do you do? You all of a sudden decide to become a stickman, jump into that world, and rescue the stick people from stick hell. That's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. The willingness of Jesus to now, for the rest of eternity... The second person in the Godhead is a man. We have God the Father. We know he's a spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. But the one who represents us, stands face to face before the Father, is not just some kind of spiritual being. I mean, he's in the spirit, absolutely. But he's a man. A born-again, spirit-filled, bloodless man. Talk about willingness. This is what he did. He laid it all down. Why? Because he was willing to get me back. <laughs> he was so willing. So the more time you spend just listening to the willingness of our Father, the willingness of our amazing Savior Jesus, and the willingness of the Spirit of God to come. Listen, he's called a helper. How many times have I made stupid decisions, and I, Holy Spirit, can you bail me out again? Help me again. Help me again. He's called a helper. And that's what he does. He comes to help. How many times do I call on him? Holy Spirit, I, I need you. What do I do in this situation? That he would come, the one who could just, holds the oceans in his hands. Drop in the bucket for him. And he comes to live on the inside of me and say, hey, I think you should do this. You're willing to do that? What that does on the inside of me, it goes, it deepens my Yes. Remember in, when we were in youth and stuff, we would go to like YC and different youth groups. And there's a song that we would sing is, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. Sing it again. Yes, Lord. And what are we doing? We just continue to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But how much more now? Do we need to remind ourselves and put ourselves in that place? Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hey, will you? Yes, Lord. Hey, I don't know why. Lord, you don't even ask me anything, but I just want to remind you today. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I woke up this morning. My first word was, yes, Lord. 
happy to do whatever you ask me to do. Not a, you're not going to get any unwillingness on my end. I'll gladly do it, but I need your help. But I'll gladly do it to the best of my ability. Yes, Lord. What happens? You're deepening your yes because what is it? What I want is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Now this is how we deepen our yes. This is how we deepen our willingness. To the point that I will do whatever you ask me to do. Even if I made fun of it. People laugh at me. Even if it looks stupid on the outside. Even if people disagree on the outside. You and I have to be so free of people that we can actually be free to serve the Lord. Because honestly that has been my biggest hurdle in my life. Is fear of man. Making sure everybody likes me. Listen, at some point, I'm going to disappoint you. Why? Because I'm a man. I'm not perfect. But there is one who will never disappoint, Jesus. And so that's been the cry of my heart is, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, even if people don't understand, even if they just, even if they don't want to understand. I'm willing to say yes to you. I'm willing to do what you said to do for the sake of reaching and fulfilling the vision that you have. I'm willing. And even for a church, that's what we're saying. Lord, we're willing. We're willing to do church however you want to. Does it have to be the same all the time? Well, if you want to change it up next week, sure. Why not? Why not have worship at the end? <gasps> can, can you do that? <gasps> I don't know. We'll try it. <laughs> oh, man, I just... Are you, are you allowed to say those? Are you allowed to do these things? Are you allowed to have a prayer line again? Why not? Are we allowed to open up? This is the thing too. We've got to open up these altars again. Because what, what does the Lord do? The Lord does most of these transforming things. I don't know. For myself, I found myself rededicating. We went on a mission trip. I rededicated my, to the service every, every time it was open. I had to get back there. What was the Lord doing? Changing my heart. There's something about you and I submitting ourselves to God and saying, Lord, I'm just deepening my Yes. Here's the altar. Okay, God, I'm, I'm just deepening my yes. And it's not just for somebody to get born again. It's for me just to deepen my willingness. Lord, I'm going to come lower and lower and lower, submitting myself to you. Why? So that you can exalt me in due time. That's my heart for myself personally, but that's also my heart for this church as well, is that we just come under the mighty hand of God so that in due time he will bring us up, hold us up, and that he looks now and he says, hey, People can be drawn here because you have the answers. You're able to be led by me and you're willing to do it. Rather than just looking, oh, this red deer is just going to hell. No, that's not what he sees. He hates sin, absolutely. Don't get me wrong, that's true. But I want to get a different picture than just looking at people, oh, a bunch of heathen, bunch of no good sinners going someplace. You cannot reach a, a culture. You cannot reach a generation that you turn down. It's impossible. So what do we do? I need a bigger vision. I need a big Lord, expand this thing. Show me, how can I reach? How can I be a blessing? And what happens, he starts to enlarge me on the inside. And the result is we become a blessing to more and more. Amen? Okay, Father God, we just come before you this morning. Lord, expand us on the inside. We ask you that with every fiber of our being. Lord, reveal to us, continually reveal to us how willing you were and all that you've done. And Father, we say to you that we will deepen our yes. Our heart is to deepen our yes. Can we just say yes to him for a moment? Just yes. Lord, yes to your word. Yes to the leading of your spirit. Yes to doing life with you. Yes to being corrected. Yes to being directed. Yes to being instructed by your word. Father, we just say yes. A big resounding yes. You're going to hear that from impact. Yes. Yes, 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 yes from my family. Yes to my children. Yes to my spouse. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, just let that come out. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, will you? Yes, 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 yes. Again, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm doing. Just yes, Lord. Yes to praying, spending time in other tongues with you. Yeah, I'll do that. I know he's been calling me deeper in that. He's, Joel, I need you to pray. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just, fine, I'll pray. It's, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> oh. Everybody okay? <laughs> Flesh isn't. <laughs> Flesh isn't okay. That's good. <laughs> you know, I want to get to the place. We become so comfortable in the presence of God. And like, you're just like what you said there, Angie. You just become on the natural. I, I, 
Our flesh, when you get in the presence of God, sometimes your flesh gets a little, like, yeah, ah, what is this? Let it happen. Hey, there's a, there's a quiet moment. Why is, there, why, is there, why is there a dead space? Be okay with it. I've learned just even in my time with the Lord that sometimes just being in his presence, just shutting up and just letting him turn the wheels on the inside. Get that going. Amen. Awesome. Well, we love you so much. Thank you for coming again this morning. We trust that the word spoke to you. God has revealed himself to you in a greater way. And have a good rest of your week. And we'll see you in two weeks.